Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. Member, FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Pushkin. Hey, Eddie here. Before we get started, I wanted you to know that you can listen to Car Show ad-free by becoming a Pushkin Plus subscriber. You'll also get access to detours, bonus episodes of Car Show where we go for extended drives, play outtakes, and more. Find Pushkin Plus on the Car Show page in Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm. The year is 2005. I'm 34 years old and on assignment for Men's Journal, a magazine dedicated to the fantasies that prowl the hallways of young men's minds. Climbing Everest. Eating fugu. Dazzling women's old factories with your new bottled musk. That kind of stuff. My brief, then, is fittingly fantastical. I am to drive a brand-new high-performance car for two days down the California coast, from Carmel-by-the-Sea on the Monterey Peninsula down to the L.A. Basin, then report back. I can do this, I told myself. My route would include America's most celebrated coastal road, California Highway 1 a.k.a. the Pacific Coast Highway, the mythical PCH. If you've driven it, you know that PCH is an amazing piece of winding, rhythmic asphalt. It unfolds like a fable under a great canopy of redwoods. It is perfect for small, nimble sports cars like Mazda Miatas and Subaru BRZs, where power is less critical than handling and flow. But the car I was driving that day in 2005 felt neutered and bridled on PCH's densely treed switchbacks. 
too wide, too powerful, too magnetized to the pavement. I was never really able to uncork it. There was too little distance between the curves to exercise this car, and I was growing frustrated. Then, south of San Luis Obispo, I drove inland on the 101. Four lanes of Primo Cali concrete. I opened it up. Now, in most really fast cars, when you hit the accelerator, the scenery blurs and the cars you pass recede gracefully in your rearview mirror. But when I hit the gas in this car, the scenery didn't blur. It bent. In my vertiginously linear ascent to the upper reaches of the speedometer, the cars I passed didn't recede in any graceful pageant. No, the cars behind me just disappeared. Vaporized, not even specks in the mirror. It was low-scale time travel, a kind of hyperspace effect. The car I was driving? The one, the only, Bugatti Veyron. I'm Eddie Alterman, and this is Car Show. In this episode, we will explore the Bugatti Veyron and how it was able to break every automotive barrier that ever existed. And some human barriers, too. It had a thousand and one horsepower. A thousand! At a time when the top series production Ferrari had 515. It cost more than one million dollars to that Ferrari's paltry 215,000 and it radically reoriented our relationship to speed. The Veyron is what happens when unlimited money and colossal ego meet the hardest automotive engineering questions ever raised. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. Member, FDIC, Copyright 2024. J.P. Morgan, Chase & Co. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, 
giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. That drive down PCH in 2005 wasn't my first encounter with the Veyron. I saw the car in person a good two years before that road trip, but in much the same setting. Car Week is officially back. The deafening sounds of classic cars taking center stage on Alvarado Street. Exciting car enthusiasts of all ages. I ain't never seen nothing like this. I've been to car shows. Every year, the Monterey Peninsula hosts a vintage car celebration known as Car Week. My friend, Mercedes-Benz PR Supremo Rob Moran, calls this week, cars at their best, people at their worst. And indeed, it is a miasma of obscene wealth, jaw-dropping cars, and state-of-the-art plastic surgery. The acme of Monterey Car Week is the Pebble Beach Concours d'Elegance. That happens on Sunday. But Friday and Saturday are dominated by the vintage car races at WeatherTech Raceway right over the hill from Pebble Beach. When I got to the racetrack that Saturday, I saw a huge dove gray shipping container with the burgundy Bugatti logo on its side. This was to be the first public running of the Veyron the first demonstration of its metaphysical capabilities. The assembled journalist had popped their popcorn. The moment was vibrating with anticipation. The Veyron made its way onto the track. From where I was standing, on the back straight leading into turn one, I saw the black and red coupe streak by sounding like some chimera of an F-18 and a rhinoceros. It cleaved the air. It just reeked of lethality. And then, instead of making the left-hand corner and staying on the track, it spun right into the gravel track. a nimbus of tawny dust. This was highly embarrassing to the man in charge of Bugatti's parent company, the Volkswagen Group, because the Veyron was a product of his monomaniacal vision. 
he fired just about everyone associated with that Monterey mishap and installed a new team to bring the Veyron to the road. The man's name was Dr. Ferdinand Pieck. He cut and thrust his way through his family's corporate labyrinth to become chairman of the Volkswagen Group. Once there, he built it into the greatest car-making juggernaut the world had ever seen. It made 1950s General Motors look like Yum! brands. To Volkswagen and Audi, he added Bentley, Lamborghini, Porsche, and Bugatti. He was a slight but fearsome man. He looked like a German tank commander. Ice blue eyes, close cropped scalp, very deliberate in his small economical movements. Tom McDonald, the former head of VW Group PR in the 70s and 80s, worked closely with Pieck and experienced his unique management style. His rule was, was law. He fired more of his direct reports, let's say, than probably any other executive in the history of the automotive industry. Do you remember the first time you met him? Yes. We were doing uh, an Audi 5000 pre-dealer meeting before the launch. And I met him there and he had this very, very, I would say, weird look. Somebody called it Betty Davis eyes. (laughs) I mean, he had this strange look on his face and he'd be talking to you and he'd turn away and you kind of thought, well, am I done? Is he finished or, or what? Tom was the head of PR for the Volkswagen, Audi and Porsche brands when the Audi 5000 started becoming notorious for the phenomenon of unintended acceleration. That is, going when its driver thought she was stopping. Great car, very advanced, and suddenly in a pot of very hot water. People were driving them into swimming pools. People were getting hit. Here's how Pieck, the head of Audi at the time, reacted to the issue. So Pieck was getting involved at the very highest level. And it became an absolute nightmare. Had to go over to Germany several times to give a presentation to Pieck and the board, what the status was, what the PR, what our communication strategy was, what were we doing to offset it from an engineering point of view, from a PR point of view, a marketing, advertising point of view. And Pieck was sitting there and he listened and listened and he says, The problem is you stupid Americans don't know how to drive. I'm going, holy crap. Yeah, well, no, sir, it's not that. Pieck rarely spoke. He never carried cash. Reports vary, but he sired either 12 or 13 children from four women. He once threatened to fire all of VW's body engineers if they didn't get the tolerances between the body panels on their cars down to an exceedingly tight three millimeters in six weeks. He was obsessive, demanding, strange, and antisocial. Suffice it to say that he didn't have many arguments with underlings, this Piet guy. Now, forgive me if I go off-piste here for a moment. I'm not trying to celebrate him as a person. This is a version of the artist conundrum applied to car making. Artists have been forgiven for nauseating behavior because we have long valued the public output more than the private interpersonal damage. That's changing, finally. You won't see many more Bill Cosby stand-up specials on HBO. 
We have to confront Piek the same way. We have to square the artist against the art. But there's very little recourse when someone's dead. So at this moment, the question that most interests me is, can we get Piek's kind of brilliance without the antisocial behavior? I don't know if we can. It's tied to power and the unbridling of social limits it affords. Now, we have no record of any specific Piek trespasses. People didn't talk about him, and he rarely did interviews. But stories like the one Tom told aren't great. Stupid American drivers just isn't good marketing. Imperiousness enables the vision. And what Piek wanted to build, the car he invested with all his power and brilliance, would be nothing less than the capstone of his career. It would be hard to beat what he'd already accomplished. He helped develop the Porsche 911 and the Le Mans winning 917 simultaneously. He's the guy behind Audi's Quattro system. He was maybe the greatest automotive industrialist that ever lived. Henry Ford be damned. And he wanted to go out by building the most astonishing car in the world. A car that defied physics, not to mention logic and economics. That was his vision for the Veyron. Once you experience it, you don't forget it. It's like your fondest lover, always lingering in the back of your mind, a distant channel emitting a faint hum. I wish I could have secured one to drive for this episode to be back on that stretch of 101 south of San Luis Obispo. But these cars are impossible to find. They don't exactly have them at the Hertz gold counter. They are all squirreled away in collections. In the 18 years since the car came out, I have never seen one on the road. To get up close and personal, we had to make a pilgrimage to the Peterson Automotive Museum in Los Angeles. Here I am with my producer, Sam, in their second floor gallery. It's so cool. There it is, the Veyron. So it is hard to get a sense of how small it is when it's up on this plinth like this, but it's basically just shrink-wrapped around the engine and transmission. <laughs> I mean, it is just a, it's a very small car. It's sort of like the size of an Audi TT or something. The presence is gigantic, but the, the size is small. And here's a back of an envelope drawing by Dr. Piek. He sketched an 18-cylinder engine on an envelope while riding on a train in Japan. This turned out to be a 16-cylinder cylinder engine with four turbos on it, but the idea was to go big from the start. <laughs> <laughs> we went to the Peterson because the museum had recently mounted a hypercars exhibit featuring the Bugatti. So what is a hypercar? A hypercar is not merely a sports car some bauble for the wealthiest 10%. It's not merely a supercar for the ostentatious 1%. A hypercar is a car that seems to defy possibility, sanity, and decorum. A car for the 0.0001%. A hypercar is of that rare class of machine that is lavishly hand-constructed, ultra-rare, sickly capable, and grossly expensive a car worthy of being celebrated in museum galleries. Hypercars are atomic wedges, winged pizza slices, MIGs on wheels. In pet terms, 
the supercar is to the golden retriever as the hypercar is to the zebra. You need zebra money to own one. And the car that started it all, the very first true hypercar, the car that created the category, was PX Veyron, the million-dollar car. The hypercar exhibit at the Peterson had super-rare Koenigseggs and LaFerraris and Hennessy Venoms. But the first thing that greets you when you enter the gallery is the Bugatti, the centerpiece. The Bugatti has long been enshrined in song. Now it is enshrined in the halls of automotive history. Excellent curating, gents. This is Car Show. We'll be back with Aveyron after the break. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on the storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase, N.A. member, FDIC, 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only 
much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com to start a new musical journey today. Back at the Peterson, we are in the thrall of this beautifully lit brown Bugatti. Many, many cows were killed for this interior. <laughs> I mean, the, it is exquisitely done. Everything is leather wrapped or real metal or real carbon fiber or titanium. It's just exquisite, exquisite materials. And everything you touch is heavy, feels great. And this car is super heavy. Do you see references to any of other of PX kind of calling cards in this, or is this a true original for him? Well, it's funny because Bugatti was an Alsatian brand pre-war. Ettore Bugatti, the, the car maker, his cars were beautifully French. <laughs> they were lithe and they had uh, terrific flowing bodywork. Even the race cars had these beautiful boat tails and they were really elegant. This is a little bit more German. Like the widest part of the car is at the, is at the base. It just feels very planted and it's more of a German styling vernacular. It's a little bit more like, if you imagine the most insane Porsche 911 of all time, it's kind of this, right? Got it. So Eddie, how would you describe the experience of, of driving it? Disorienting, crazy. <laughs> it's the fact that it's so heavy adds to the sensation of momentum and speed and it's like, how is this thing that is so heavy and so kind of inert feeling going this quickly? How is it kind of reversing time? It goes so fast, it's like reversing the rotation of the earth. And it's, it's weird, like you see how menacing it looks just sitting still, it's wild. I had this thought like when we came around to the front of it, like, like what if it was like bearing down on you? It would be <laughs> you terrifying. You would get the hell out of the way. Yeah. yeah. It is, it's sinister. It's almost hard for your mind to wrap itself around the extremes of this thing, the extreme luxury and the extreme performance. It's totally, totally maxed out. Is this our guy? Yeah. Hey, how are you? Here's Patrick. He's on Patrick, the pleasure to meet you guys. Hey, Patrick, how's it going? I'm doing well yourself? Good, good, good. This is Patrick Thomas. He works for the Peterson Museum. He looks like the lost beach boy, a clean-cut Wilson relative. He's the Peterson's resident Veyron fiend. So we want to ask you some questions about the, the Veyron. Are you, a, are you a Veyron head? A little bit. It's uh, kind of why I like cars so much. It's when I first saw this growing up. Really? Yeah. Uh, it all started back when I was in elementary school, and they did the Scholastic Book Fairs that every elementary school kid went to. And they had this car on the cover of it. Um, for some reason, like a little switch just went off in my head. I was like, I want to read this whole book. I still have it in my childhood room back uh, at my parents' house. It's called Fantasy Cars. And I, I, we just cleaned out that room and I found it again and I just felt like a kid. And then I was reminded that, oh, hey, we have this at my workplace and this is where it all began. <laughs> all began in the sense of what? Curiosity. I got that thing when I was 04, was when I first saw that book, I believe. And now we're in 22, 18 years later, and I'm still just as in love with cars. And so it was the look of the thing? It was the look of the thing, it was the numbers, it was the price, it was the exclusivity, it was the whole shebang. Right. Everything about it just made it so appealing. It's like my little seven-year-old brain. Is this still the pinnacle for you? As far as hypercars go? Yeah. Personally, I think so. They were the first to make the whole Uber one, one million plus dollar hypercar. And that just stuck with me ever since. So that's what qualifies a hypercar as a hypercar nowadays is if there's only like 12 of them made 
in some tiny little barn out in eastern France. <laughs> and then the engine was made by a bunch of magical fairies. And that's what makes a hypercar hypercar. Before the Veyron, no one dared to charge one million for a production car. Not even McLaren with its limited run F1 three-seater. But après la Bugatti, the deluge. The Veyron made the world safe for million dollar cars, for hypercars and for the lucky souls who buy them. So tell me about the engine a little bit. Yeah, this is an eight liter W16 configuration. Uh, it's called the 16.4 because the 16 cylinders that come in the motor with the four turbos attached to it. It was uh, one of the first of its kind as far as more than just two turbos goes. 16 cylinders, four turbos, and Piac originally wanted 18 cylinders. So tell me about the brakes inside of there. What's going on? They look like dinner plates, uh, gigantic. Yeah, you could probably fit like three turkeys on the size of that. <laughs> uh, the caliper is about the size of American football, and they're meant to they're meant to stop you from 256 miles an hour in a safe amount of time. <laughs> and uh, the bodywork, it's all rendered in this beautiful carbon fiber, this sort of dark bronze carbon fiber with this clear coat over it. The, the bodies are carbon fiber, correct? That's correct, the bodies are carbon fiber, but since it is part of the hypercar class, it's all very bespoke. So the original customer of this car said, I want a carbon fiber exposed body, and I want a clear coat with a little bit of gold overtones to it. Oh, he said, that's real gold. Uh, I wouldn't say it's real gold, I'm just saying <laughs> the overtones are gold. Are there any memorable reactions you've had from people who come in and, and see it? Actually, yeah. Uh, there was one the other day. I remember when there was a kid that just turned the corner behind me and just like threw both of his hands on his cheeks and just, just like his mouth hit the floor and he, he couldn't really speak. His dad was just like laughing and I knew exactly what was going on because I was the same way the first time I saw one of these cars at that age. Full Kevin McAllister. Full Kevin McAllister. Literally the Kevin McAllister, like the right here, right in his cheekbones, mouth on the floor. Surely the interior is just as over the top, no? Yeah, the interior is all leather. It's very sensitive. You can just take your thumbnail and ruin this value, just like if you just nick it in the wrong direction. So this, this is a car bought by people who um, defy gravity. They, have, they exert no weight onto the seat. They are special humanoids who, who never scuff the leather, who you know, can drive this thing with uh, in one pinky. That's true, or they just don't pay taxes, I can't tell. <laughs> it's a glory to behold. It really is. Uh, I remember we received it this day. Uh, we were, this is only two weeks in this exhibit so far. I was there when we received it, and I was just felt like I was that kid again. I was like, oh, there you are. I missed you. Meet your heroes, right? Meet your heroes, and then sometimes they disappoint, but this one definitely did not, I'll tell you that. <laughs> The Veyron was built to be the fastest production car in the universe and also the most expensive. But it was also a highly personal project. As with Patrick, our museum guide, Dr. Piak's obsession was tied to a book. He wanted the car to produce a thousand and one horsepower because his favorite story as a child was a thousand and one Arabian Nights. He wanted it to go 253 miles per hour because his Porsche 917 endurance racer topped out at 252 on the Mulsanne straight at Le Mans. 
In Piak's Ahab-like pursuit, the Bugatti became less a car than a physics problem, a solution to a cascading series of impossibilities. It's the old, if you give a mouse a cookie scenario. How can we make a 1,001 horsepower hypercar that anyone's grandmother can drive and make sure it starts every time at minus 30 degrees Fahrenheit? To make all that power, it will need 16 cylinders and four turbos. With all that plumbing, it will need 12 radiators to keep its engine from imploding. To get that power to the ground, it will need all-wheel drive. The added weight of the all-wheel drive system will require stronger suspension and tires. And at top speed, even the strongest tires will rip themselves apart before the car runs out of fuel. So the custom Michelin tires are a unit with the wheel and cost $70,000 a set to replace. Final total price tag? A whopping 1 million euro a copy. And Bugatti still lost money on each one. Funny story about the tires. When Piek told Michelin that he needed a road tire that could survive the car's 253 mile an hour top speed, they told him he was nuts. They said that customers who wanted to experience the car's phenomenal top speed capability would have to take the regular street tires off the car and install dedicated racing tires to make the run. Then, proving that Michelin was indeed correct about Piek being nuts, he allegedly threatened to cancel all of Michelin's tire contracts for all of the VW Group's cars. We're talking millions of units per year, times four, if they couldn't deliver a street tire that could go all the way from zero MPH to 253 without delaminating. Guess what happened? So yes, the Veyron only exists because the guy in charge was steaming furiously toward this thing in his head and willing to lay it all on the line to make it happen. And it only exists because he was willing to lose wads of money. Even though the car cost seven figures, Bugatti only planned to make 300 of them over the entire run. That would hardly cover the cost of the dedicated headquarters and factory he built to make the car in Molsheim, France, at the ancestral home of the original Bugatti family. As our friend Patrick at the Peterson made clear, the price tag was significant because it crossed a psychological chasm, unprecedented at the time. One million dollars. But, and this is going to be rare for the show, I'd like to focus here on the performance rather than the psychological chasms. Without the performance, there'd be no way to justify the helicopter-adjacent pricing. But the most important thing about the Veyron's performance is that it crossed a threshold that was as significant as it was invisible. It was faster than gravity. Freefall acceleration equates to 0 to 60 miles per hour in 2.7 seconds. That's the force of gravity, the quantifiable accelerative speed of 1g. Previously, 0 to 60 in 2.7 seconds or the rate of freefall, was thought to be the physical limit of car acceleration on the road. But the Veyron slipped past that rate. It hit 60 miles per hour in 2.5 seconds. So this thing, in a manner of speaking, this thing out-accelerated gravity. 
Well, firstly, that is not a meaningful sentence, yes and no. Gravity uh, will propagate through space at the speed of light. So it travels at a fixed speed. But maybe a way of saying it, Dr. Carl, is that it'll go faster on the pavement than if you drop it off a building. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, which is absolutely astonishing. It is. It's crazy. That's Australian physicist Dr. Carl Kuschelnitzky. We spoke with him about what the Veyron was able to achieve speed-wise and how it was able to do it. Dr. Carl, why do you think no other car achieved what the Veyron was able to achieve, 1G of straight-line acceleration? They were getting close, but you needed immense, ridiculous horsepower. You know, forget 500 horsepower, go for 1,000. Right. Mind you, a lot of that was um, needed because of the immense weight, nearly two ton. So with the Veyron, the front of the tyre kissed the road. At no stage were the tyres slipping. So it was just because it had that maximum amount of horsepower and, of course, good electronics. You can deliver all of that horsepower to the ground. Though explainable now, it just seemed impossible at the time, even to people who get paid to know about this stuff. I once commissioned world-famous science guy Neil deGrasse Tyson to write an essay for us at Current Driver on the nature of speed. In our discussions about the piece, he claimed that no vehicle could accelerate faster than the speed of freefall, 0 to 60 in 2.7 seconds. Then I showed him the acceleration curve of the Veyron. Oh, right, he said. I wasn't factoring in the grip from the tires. This was the equivalent of breaking the sound barrier in flight, or the four-minute mile. And like those other once-impossible feats, after it happened the first time, it suddenly seemed achievable and easy. Many other cars followed in the Veyron's gravity-beating wake. But it was the Bugatti that set the template for sub-2.7-second sprints. It did it by combining its tarmac-ripping, all-wheel-drive traction quad-turbocharged 16-cylinder engine and launch control system. These three elements together are what spear the Bugatti toward the horizon with sickening speed. And when you do accelerate full out in the Veyron, you realize that you are testing the limits of the human machine. We Homo sapiens were not engineered to accelerate this quickly. Our brains and inner ears are keyed to the force of gravity. Falling out of a tree may have scrambled your brain when you hit the ground, but not on the way down. But going from 0 to 60 in less than 2.7 seconds? That's a roller coaster ride parked in your driveway. You've got to train for it. It rattles your organs and robs your brain of blood. It literally takes your breath away. PX Veyron pushed the envelope. Not just the mechanical one, the human one. In the writing about cars business, one of our horriest cliches is that a really fast car seems to defy physics. I even used it earlier in this episode. Time-worn though the phrase may be, it makes no sense when you think about it. By its very nature, physics can't be defined. It's our understanding of physics that's incomplete. If something seems to defy physics, well then our conception of the science itself needs to change. 
That's what the Veyron did for the automotive universe. It expanded our understanding of the possible. You can thank the little Austrian guy with the bad attitude for that. Show is written and hosted by me, Eddie Alterman. It's produced by Sam Dingman, Jacob Smith, and Amy Gaines. Our editor is Jen Guerra. Original music and mastering by Ben Tolliday. Our executive producer is Mia Lobel. Our show art was designed by Sean Carney and airbrushed by Greg Lefevre. Our patron saints are Lital Malad and Justine Lang. Car Show is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you love this show and others from Pushkin Industries, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a podcast subscription that offers bonus content and uninterrupted listening for just $4.99 a month. Look for Pushkin Plus on Apple Podcast subscriptions. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.